Don't give your freedom away, part three. This was a three-part message, and this is the last part this morning. Webster said this about freedom. The condition of being free of restraints, liberty of the person from slavery, oppression, or incarceration. We realize that the hallmark of being a Christian is freedom. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Bible also says, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. And the Bible also says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul wrote the book of Galatians, and the main thrust behind the book of Galatians is the battle cry that he put throughout the book. Don't let anybody steal your freedom. Because he knew what great freedom that we have in Christ, but there are these outside entities that come in and, and try to steal that freedom from you. We've already looked. There's, uh, Paul mentions three. He said they're traps that will suck the joy and the life out of your Christian life. The first one we look, looked at was perfectionist, being a perfectionist. And then second, beware of becoming a legalist. And today is the third trap, beware of becoming a conformist. What is a conformist? A conformist is living to please others rather than God. And, and the main thought of a conformist is, i, I got to be careful. He'll, what will people think? What will they think of me? Well, it, it, it depends on what I look like, how I act, whatever. So I've got to, to adapt myself that I won't look strange or weird to other people. The Bible says that this is a trap. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man is a snare. It means this. If I get to that point in my life where I start worrying about what other people think, it, it, won't, it won't depend on what God thinks anymore. I, I'm living my life and allowing people to manipulate me through their opinions. If you get to that point, you're in trouble. I know what that's like to be a people pleaser. I, I, I thought that when I went into the ministry that that's what you were supposed to do, but I learned pretty quick that that's pretty much impossible. So finally, after years, I finally got to that point that when I lay my head on my pillow at night, my main concern, have I pleased God? Because people are, are a little difficult to please. That's a misbelief about conformity. We need to expose that. It's the misbelief that I must have the approval of an order of everybody in order to be happy. We act different ways around different people. And if I get to that point that I have to try to make everybody happy, God himself can't do that. So I think we're foolish if we even think about that. Because if we have two crowds that we run with, we'll do something in, that crowd A will like, but crowd B doesn't like it. So we've ostracized ourselves, and then we go back over there, and we do something that crowd B loves, crowd A doesn't like it. So we're always, we're always in the mix, so to speak. One minute you're a hero, and the next minute you're kind of a zero. Fame and applause and public opinion is awfully fleeting. You remember quarterback Colin Kaepernick. One moment of poor judgment, it, it pretty much done him in in the sports world. I didn't agree with what he did, but I agree with protesting in that sense. He just chose the wrong avenue of protest, actually. American people are funny about the Star Spangled Banner. How you sing it, how you bring that out, what your concept of it is, and it didn't work out so good for him. You can't base your life on the opinions of other people. Conformity like perfectionism and legalism will rob the joy and freedom out of your life. It's like it's, you stick in a giant syringe and just take that out. 
Here's a clip about being yourself. I want you to watch this closely. It's about a little girl. Let's watch. จบไปแล้วอย่างสวยงามนะครับสําหรับผู้เข้าประกวดคนสุดท้ายของเราในวันนี้นะครับ Why are you different? Because God made you that way. 
God has given each one of you a gift, an ability, a talent that you're the best at. And it's always my premise in life that whatever you do well, that's what you should do for God. We have a terrible time as humans accepting ourselves. There was a younger man in the church up north that was handicapped. pains me to think about it. But we had a lot of fun together. We went to ball games and did everything. But one of the things, I accepted him for who he was. Not everybody did. And he would come in my study and, and sat and look across my desk and he'd say, Pastor Eddie, how come God didn't make me normal? And it was sad. I really didn't have an answer, and I would say, Brother, God made you who you are. But boy, for some of us, that's a, it's a stretch. So that's why we sometimes conform not to the image of Christ, but to the image of those around us and wherever we're plugged in in life. It might be work, it might be school, it might even be a family. And we think that we're so much different that to fit in, to be loved, we have to conform to their world. Paul said in Galatians 5, 7 through 9, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? What kind of per persuasion does not come from the one who calls you? A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. He says, you were running a race and somebody cut in on you. In 1984, in the Olympics in L.A., Mary Decker and Zola Budd were in the 3,000 meters women's race. Mary was running, and Zola cut in on her and tripped her up, and she lost. Let's watch. The 1984 women's 3,000 meters final. Mary Decker against Zola Bird. Bird from Bloemfontein, South Africa, and now Britain, thanks to a passport delivered in suspiciously double-quick time. Decker, the all-American golden girl, running in Los Angeles, the film set where nothing could go wrong. And Decker's down. Oh, the world champion is now flat out on the infield. Bird briefly led the field, but as if conscious of the wreckage on the infield, she slowed until a chorus of boos from the crowd finished seventh. Still well ahead of Decker. Whose you can fault shut was that it? off now, Jody. Thank Bird you. was immediately disqualified, but on reviewing exactly the incident, Paul was talking about her. that we're running the race for Christ and somebody cuts in and whatever that might be, and we fall and we, we don't we don't get up so easily. That's what Paul was saying to the Galatians. Man, what's up with you guys? You guys started strong, and you was living for Christ, and then somebody's bewitched you, actually. That happens if we start looking at other people rather than looking to God. It's like when somebody wants to steer you away from this. If somebody comes up with a new doctrine or a new idea, and, and they, they preach that for the gospel, and it's what we talked about 
a week or two ago, that, and that's what happens. You, 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 we, we have to continue to look to God. Because if we don't, we start worrying, how do I look to other people? That's one thing about new believers. Usually they really don't care about what anybody thinks. Because the excitement of the Holy Spirit bursting into their life and bringing new life and new thought processes and things like that, that, that changes them. And they really don't care about who, who, who says what or whatever. I've seen this happen in the last 40 years. A person comes to faith and they come into the church and they're all excited and they look around and, and some of the older believers don't seem excited anymore. They have kind of settled in, so to speak, and they're, they're not excited, and nothing, nothing does anything to uh, push them off dead center, if you will. And, the, and sometimes they, they have certain languages that they speak, older Christians do. They, they have cliches that I think sometimes need to be inter- interpreted. That was funny when my kids were small. Uh, Stacy was the only one who could understand Josh. So he'd jab her off of something, and then she'd say, he just said, and then she'd interpret that for us. Here's the interpretation of Christians, Christianese, if you will. When people say it was glorious, what they're really saying is, I had fun. I was grieved in my spirit. That means it ticked me off. It was a real blessing means it was enjoyable, and we have to keep translating those things over and over, and I hope that we have used language around here that everybody understands. But when I speak in my mental capacity of a 12-year-old, everybody pretty much knows what I'm talking about. I I don't ever use words that you don't understand. It's like after a while, there seems like something pours ice water on our faith, and we we start to cool down, and we not... I, I would rather throw gasoline on you, in a sense, spiritually. I love playing with gasoline. Anybody here like to throw gas on a fire? John Ray shaking his head. I knew Bill Drapo did. Well, my dad ran a gas, standard oil gas truck, so I had all the fuel at my disposal that anyone could possibly want. Diane and I cleared this patch off where we put a trailer one time, and, and I'd say that brush pile was probably three-fourths the size of this stage. So I put 30-gallon of diesel fuel on it and about 15-gallon of gas and stood back, because I knew this was going to be one of the best things that I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> Had one of those railroad fusees, the red, you strike them, and they got the fire. Man, I heaved that, and that thing, go, go whoosh. I, get, I mean, like 40 feet away, you could feel it, and like move your hair and stuff like that. It was one of the best things that's ever happened to me in life, was setting that fire off. <laughs> you remember when they tested the A-bomb, they did it at a place called Bikini Atoll, which annihilated that little island. That's what it looked like. Just, I mean, great big mushroom cloud come up. I was just... It, it, and here's another thing. At Freeport, we almost, I almost burnt the church down there. I know you shouldn't be saying goofy stuff like that. Another big brush pile stood back and did the same thing, and I was like from here to that organ from the church, and... Uh, Somebody that loves me a lot was not very happy with me. I'm not going to say anything more. But nonetheless, <laughs> I asked myself this, and I can't answer the question, are you an idiot? <laughs> I can't answer it. I have to let it go. But <laughs> man, oh man, and things are dangerous. I know they are, and I shouldn't. I'm not a role model. I'm telling you right now. That's sad for your pastor to say, <laughs> 
outside of this building, I'm not a role model for your children. I, I hate to admit that, but you know you can saturate a pile and run a line of gas back, and that's okay, but if you take a can and throw it on, that fire will follow that can back to your hand. So that's just a little advice this morning. Can you be arrested for things like that? I don't know if you can, Jason. You can enlighten me on that. So, Local pastor arrested for arson. I can see it in the solvent paper now. His wife told him not to do it, but he said, who cares, and did it anyhow. I'll write the piece for that. So, We can't worry about impressing other believers, actually, because once we start to do that, we're locked in, and it's hard to get out of that mode. What causes conformity? Comparing. When we begin comparing ourselves to others, we get in trouble. Second Corinthians 10, 12, Paul says this, we do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. While they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. God says it's dumb for us to compare ourselves to others. You notice in the verse before it said this, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. What's he saying is it spreads quickly, conformity does. It's like a disease, it's an infection, it gets in, it takes over your life, your family, your church, and it's like a cancer that destroys uh, cells. The solution is to be yourself and stop comparing yourself to other people and just be who God made you, made you to be. It's funny, I don't know how it is in other professions or callings in, in life, but when I came into the ministry, I had this grandiose idea that I would be like Billy Graham. Wherever I spoke, when I got done, people would just fall on their face. Never happened. So there you are. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're saying, well, you know, what is, what is wrong with this picture? I wanted to be Chuck Swindoll or Billy Graham, and as you can see, it didn't work. That's one of the dangers sometimes about reading about great heroes of the faith. They have done great things. But you have to keep in mind that God made them for that time and that purpose, and he put that gift in their life. An example would be George Mueller, probably of people of faith, of, of all time, since the beginning to, to the end even, he, he's in the top five for sure. He had, he had an orphanage in England, and he would sit down at the table with a hundred children and not have a morsel of bread and start to pray, and somebody would bring food. It happened every day, almost. Or, you know, I don't know who your hero of the faith is. It might be Moses. It could be anybody in the Bible. But nonetheless, God didn't give you the same gift as they did sometimes. And when we try these things, we kind of fall flat on our face and we get a little upset about it. We've all got different gifts. If you're a believer, you have a spiritual gift. You have a talent. You have an ability that God himself gave you. You maybe not, don't know what it is, but nonetheless, you respons your responsibility as a believer is to find that gift, to work on it, hone it, to make it better, to practice it. You just, you just don't get it immediately. It's not, maybe, maybe some have. I, I didn't get anything cold turkey. I had to, you had to work at it. And the more you did it, the better off you were, the, the, the better you, you got at it, actually. Live development process in 301, Kurtz teaches, that's what you do. You, you, you look at these things. The Bible says we need each other. We're not all the same. The hand can't say to the foot that I don't need you anymore, or the eye can't say that to the ear. It's all the parts of the body that God sees the body of Christ, and he puts the gifts 
distributes them through that body that it might function as a healthy working body. That is the way that the body of Christ works. Every church has got the gifts. It's just sometimes people just don't find them. And you see the point, if I don't use my gift, the body suffers. And it's the same way with you. If you don't use your gift, the body suffers, actually. The solution is to be yourself. Galatians 6, 4, each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. I'll guarantee you, Whenever your time is and you show up in heaven, God is not going to say, why weren't you more like the Apostle Paul? Or why weren't you more like Timothy? He's, he's not gonna, and he's not going to say to me, Eddie, why weren't you more like Charles Swindoll? He's going to say, why weren't you more like Eddie? That's your life. With the scars and the weaknesses, the strengths and the gifts, you, He's given them to me, and, and he expects me to use them to the best of my ability. God made you to be you, and you think about life. None of our lives have turned out like we would have planned them, because along the way in our life, there are tragedies, there's death, there's disease, there's heartache. We, we wouldn't write that into the script, but God did, and he did it for a reason. He's trying to, to, to mold us in the image of Christ, and the past experiences that we have had will help us do that. There will be people that God will place in your life that you went through a similar experience, and it's not like that they're talking to somebody that doesn't have a clue because you've been there, done that. That makes a difference. He, he's formed us all together for, for his purpose. And you know what? You're not one in a million. You're one in 7.6 billion people on the face of this earth. There's nobody in the world like you. That's mind-boggling to me. Anywhere. And there's no one exactly like me. And a lot of people saying, thank you, Jesus. There's only one. That's it. That, it just blows me away as we look at people. Yeah, you might look similar, but you're not exactly the same. My question is, if you don't be you, who's going to be you? A, a lot of times we spend a lot of time trying to be others, and we give up so much of ourselves, our uniqueness, our individuality, by trying to be like other people. That's the trap of conformity that causes us to lose our joy. You know, I, I used to try to be, be other people. It, it, just, it just doesn't work. I, I was in a, a ministerial one time in a city that oh, these, they had two ministerials. It was odd. They had one for the mainline churches, and then they had one for the evangelical churches. Well, I tried to go to both of them. So I went to the mainline churches. There was probably six or eight pastors there. And the first thing they wanted to know if I was educated. Hey, where'd you go to college? And you had to go to seminary. Well, at that point in time, I was in college, but I hadn't gone to seminary. And by the time I left out of there, I felt like I was an inch tall. I never went back. I, I should have hung in there. It didn't matter to me. After a while, but it sure did at that time, it, it, it's, it's just the fact that trying to conform in that 
in those arenas, and I know we're, we're in that. So I tried to be fake, and, but I, I couldn't fake my way through that. But you know, you get to a certain age, you, you don't care so much, and I don't know whether that's good or not. But when you, when you see me, you, you see what, what you get. I'm, I'm not going to be anybody else. I'm, I, it's me. I'm not, I'm not going to change for you. I'll change for God as much as he can change me, but it, it's, it's, it's odd to me sometimes. It's not odd, but it happens. The young couples, when they get married, they'll come in, and they'll sit across my desk, and I always try to ask this question. How much are you going to, or how much do you think, or how successful will you be in changing this person to fit your mold? Well, it never happens. Most of the time, that person will sit there, that's who they're going to hang out with in life, and they ain't going to change that much. God can change them, don't get me wrong, but nonetheless, our, our, our personalities and who we are is pretty much is, is going to stay the same. So hopefully, we get to the point where we can stand ourselves, actually, and we're always not trying to change something about ourselves just to please other people. I've been preaching about 40 years, probably, and you know what? I still get nervous. When I sat down there before I get up here, you can't imagine what's going through my mind and my heart and my stomach because it scares me to death about my own inadequacies. That, that, that God would choose the likes of me to stand in this position to bring his message. I don't know if I'll ever get over that, to be honest with you. Call it stage fright, call it what you will, but I had a older pastor tell me, if you ever lose that, lose that you're in trouble. And you know why? Because when you walk up these steps and stand behind this pulpit, you're going to be doing it under Eddie's power, not the power of the Holy Spirit. Huge difference. Huge difference. I find in my own weakness, God blesses other people. And God wants to um, take your greatest weakness and turn it into a strength. You know, some say that I'm an okay communicator. And some Sundays I feel when I go home that maybe I've, I've hit a home run, but then I know in seven days I'll have to come back and do it again. And you don't always hit a home run. Sometimes you strike out, and I appreciate you guys putting up with me for that. My dream for Crossroads has always been that we would have a church where people have freedom to be real. Of all the things that I desired within the body of Christ, as you could come in, be you. You didn't have to be anybody else. Warts and all. Hang-ups, problems, difficulties, where people can say, I'm just not making it right now. Somebody help me. And there's not going to be a bunch of fingers pointing, judging. There's just going to be hands around you to, to try to help you. A place to be loved and accepted. Because you know why? I've said this a thousand times. We're all in the same boat. Do you... If this offends you, I apologize for I say it. You know what my definition of the body of Christ, the church is? We're all messed up and we need God and each other to get through life. That's how I see it. I don't know how you see it. We're not a place of perfect people. We're not a place where we have arrived. We would be completely shocked if we knew what we would think and some of our actions this coming week. It would shock us to the core. I said, man, I go to church with those people. 
I know how we are. It's like Dallas Willard said in Spirit of the Disciplines. Never kid yourself. You and I are capable of great evil. It's just the way we are. But at least we have a group, hopefully, that we understand that we're not perfect. And it's like Billy Graham said, at the ground at the foot of the cross is completely level. You know, we, we, we want to build a, a church that's based on grace and not guilt. It's based on trusting and not trying. It's built on relationships and not rules. Our church is a family, and that's what I want us to be. <laughs> it's like we're in God's living room right now. We're sitting around <laughs> worshiping God and hanging out with Him. This is what I picture God's living room to be like, actually. If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed, John 8, 36. Don't let anybody steal that from you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit cannot live in a perfectionist, legalist, conforming society or a body of life. He cannot survive. Galatians 5, 6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in love. Love of God, love of people. Let me ask you a question this morning. When you think back in your life, when you, you finally made that commitment to Christ, do, do you still have that same excitement? Is that, is that joy still in you? Is the fire still burning? Or maybe you've gotten, gotten in a rut or a routine instead of a relationship. Or maybe you've fallen in one of these three taps, traps that Paul was preaching against about thinking you have to be perfect or you had to follow these rules or you conform that you, you dance to other people's music and not God's, actually. That is, that is the question. You know, maybe you've never came to Christ. I can't look out and know that. I can't know what's in your hearts. Only God knows that. But hopefully... When the Holy Spirit did that, and like I said, it, it, it doesn't have to be down here. It can be anywhere. But hopefully, when he did that to your heart, you opened your, your heart. So, yeah, Lord, come on in. I, I want to be your kid. I, I confess my sins, and I repent, and I want to follow you. I, ho I hope everybody in here has done that. And if not, you can do it right now. Or maybe you come into the kingdom, and you know, I use this illustration a lot because it means so much to me is, is in Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Old Pilgrim's going through life, and the more he goes, the burden gets heavier and heavier, and he can't, he can't stand up. Maybe you came into the kingdom, and you had something attached to you. Maybe, maybe it was painful memories, and all of us have them. Maybe it was a harmful habit of fear, guilt, resentment, anger maybe, or loneliness, but Christ has, has tried all of these years or months or how long it's been to set you free, but you've not, you've, you've not, you've kind of sloughed him off and you let him go. I, I just pray that you let Christ set you free this morning. You know, you open up, open up your heart, say, Jesus, make yourself real to me. I commit myself to you this morning. Take all of me. Make me the person you want to be. Or maybe you're already a Christian and you've let yourself fall back into some of these traps and you swallowed it hook, line, and sinker, and you've bought the package, and you've lost all your joy. You need to say, Lord, refresh my life this morning. Can you say that out loud with me? Lord, I'm refreshing my life this morning, and, and mean that in your heart. 
It's my heart's desire that in this, we have created this atmosphere that you and I can be honest with each other. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I thank you that applies to our lives in relevant and practical ways. Help us to see your Bible not as a book of dusty old history and historical facts, but as principles for life. Help us to see that it points the way to you and what really counts is loving you and loving other people. Give us freedom, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You need prayed with this morning. You need anything explained or try to explain to you about the faith. I'll be up here, so please come.